I was uh, okay. Thank you. I was uh, talking to a friend of mine uh, last week, and this is not the first time uh, this kind of a conversation uh, has come up. In fact, uh, um, I've had multiple friends that I've spoken to uh, who have asked me the same question of um, uh, what is what is the big deal about faith and, and what is so relevant about God in today's world? In fact, this particular friend that I was talking to is, is just talking to him about faith and, and someone that I had personally been involved with even as a young person um, and uh, someone whom I knew had in some measure or respect had, had experienced God. Um, but he, uh, as I began to talk to him, he, he just said, listen, I, I don't... I don't feel like I, I want to be part of, you know, church or faith anymore because it's just not relevant to me anymore. I mean, I just just don't see it, and um, and I, I, I can I can understand where he's coming from, and I uh, and I've I've also had conversations like that with others uh, who have uh, kind of shared with me the same thing, and it is it is a, a difficult thing to um, you know navigate, especially in today's world, and I just. And it got me kind of thinking about why is the gospel relevant to me as, a, as an individual? Like, why do I do what I do, first of all? And why is it relevant to me? Um, and so, um, and so I, I had to just, just was thinking in that direction. And a couple of things came to mind. Uh, if, our, if our only desire um, out of our faith, if our only desire from faith is for material gain or for rescue in times of trouble, then we will soon find ourselves in a faith that is irrelevant and that can easily be substituted with something else. Uh, like, for example, a self-help book or therapy or someone rich in our lives, maybe a rich uncle, so to speak. Uh, but why is Jesus in my life? And why do I follow him? How do I connect uh, my faith uh, with my everyday life? Is it relevant at all? The sad reality that I've come to accept in my own life, and I've seen that a number of times, is that, and, and just looking at the amount of time that I, that I take to talk about God or uh, to, and just looking at the amount of time I take to even think about God or consciously depend on him, read his word, or to be shaped by what he is saying in my life, I would say that many times in my life I've, I've seen that uh, you know, it, it's not something that I would call functionally relevant in my life, you know, because I don't necessarily go to him uh, as much as I, um, you know, uh, as much as I say that he is at the core or he's at the center of my life, as, at least maybe not as much as my phone, <laughs> because, uh, you know, we look at our phones more than we think about God, isn't it? We, we, we look at our messages and we, look, we browse through it more. Uh, but in a world as technologically advanced, as intellectually rich, as materially cushioned as ours, it is easy for us to think that God and all that he has to offer is, is a non-issue in our world. At best, it would be something that we respect from far off saying, if it works for you, good for you. And at worst, it would be something that we would see as the root of all evil and division in the world and something that must be eradicated from the world as many today are vigorously advocating for. For example, if we look at what's happening in Afghanistan, one could easily see this as a problem of religion. The amount of human suffering, fear and turmoil that has been and that will be inflicted can easily be traced back to some kind of religious conviction that the perpetrators adhere to. In fact, many of the wars in history had something to do with religion and the coercion that seems to come through it. The church too, if you look at the church, is, is not immune to this. If you were to just take a cursory glance at church history, it will tell you that at various points in church history, in what is today maybe, uh, for example, called as the Middle Ages or, or the Dark Ages, the church used its power and influence to wreak a lot of persecution and turmoil among various peoples around the world, from the Jews to the Protestants to the early translators of the Bible, to people who practice sorcery, and even to those who pursued science. But to say that this is a problem of religion alone would not necessarily be true. Because even in, for example, communist regimes, which are predominantly atheistic in nature, it is easy to see this same pattern 
of domination, of coercion, subjugation, discrimination, ostracization, isolation, persecution, show its ugly head at various times in human history. So we live in a time even where there are people who, you know, there were, there were the liberal people who were accusing the conservatives of being too conservative and imposing their views who are doing that very thing. They are now being intolerant and they're now censoring people and they're now imposing ideologies and indoctrinating people. It seems to me that beyond the religious issue, this really is a human problem. What do human beings do when they have power and how that power is used is a very crucial question. In fact, is, is, at, the, is at the root. If someone, someone once told me that, listen, you don't need to put a person through suffering to know what that person's character is like. All you need to do is give them more money. I remember one, one person who said, listen, when you become rich, a rich, uh, a rich person doesn't become uh, a better person. A rich person just becomes more of what they already are. If they are corrupt, they're going to become more corrupt. If they're selfish, they're going to be more selfish. If they're generous, they're going to be more generous. And this, so there's an old saying that says, power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. Think about that for a moment. Power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. This is true on a playground with bullies in it. It is true to leaders who have influence, to countries that have military power, to companies that have money and information. Whenever there is something of value in a person, there is a tendency for us to put ourselves, our needs, our comforts, our desires first. There's an all-pervasive, undeniable fact of the human story. And it is within this story that we find ourselves. It's coming back to the question of why, why is faith relevant to us? Why is God relevant to, to us, even to me today? It is with it because it is within this story that we find ourselves today. It is important. And, and this is where I feel the relevance of the Bible shows what God is doing. And, and that really comes to the fore. It shows that history that all the history that we know of, it didn't begin with the human race. In fact, human beings are not the main subject of the story. You know, so as we read the Bible, as we read, as we think about God, we begin to understand this, that, that human beings, that this story that we are in is not about us, that we are not the main subject of the story, but human beings are part of a story, that we are part of a story, and that story is God's story. It's, it's about what he began to do and what he will do with his created order. And the Bible tells that story. The Bible, written by over 40 authors, written from, and these authors from different walks of life, compiled over a period of 1,500 years, consisting of a collection of books with various genres, the Bible is actually telling a singular story. What is it describing? What is the Bible describing? The Bible isn't a story of heroes who are strong, larger-than-life individuals, individuals who were perfect and, and who had nothing to do with everyday life. It is, but it's the story of regular people who are on a journey. And just like that journey is filled with ups and downs, finding ourselves in unexpected places with inexplicable twists, with suffering that is sometimes a result of our own doing, or unjust sufferings, families that have dysfunction, faith that tends to waver, convictions that are sometimes compromised on, faith that is sometimes set aside for selfish reasons. We find this true even of people that we read about in the Bible. But there is an ongoing story that we see even beyond that in the Bible of what God is doing and how he seems to be pursuing humanity with an end goal in mind. What else is the story about? It's a story of love because at the root of everything God is doing and God has done is his nature. And that is love from creation and creating all things good to redeeming what was lost as a result of sin and his daily workings in our lives. Everything he did, he does, everything he has done, he has done out of love. It is his love story. It is, that's the big picture, isn't it? It's his love story. He doesn't need to, but he does. He didn't have to, 
but he did. It's a story of his love. Again, it's a story of purpose. It's a story that tells us that creation, all of creation is, is, is with a purpose. But that purpose was lost as a result of human rebellion. But it is restored and it is being restored as a result of God's saving grace. It is a story of how everything, including our lives, has a purpose. And that if we live outside of that purpose, if we, if we try to cross the boundaries and if we try to live beyond what we are meant to live, we tend to malfunction as individuals and as a community. And I don't need to give us many examples of what that malfunction looks like. Broken families, broken hearts, minds that are not able to think straight, societies that are not able to function. We see the evidence of brokenness all around us. And so as we look through the Bible, it is a story of a God who created human beings to walk and to journey with him. Let me repeat that. The Bible is a story of a God who created human beings to walk and to journey with him, right? At its core, at the core of the Bible, we see an all-powerful God in sufficient harmony with himself and community with himself, creating a world and beings that have the freedom to choose to do what they want to do with the power that is given to them even to reject him, right? That's what God has done. He, is, he didn't have to, but he created a world and beings, us, who have the freedom to do whatever we want to do with the power that is given to us, even reject him. When I say power, what, I, what do I mean by that? Power comes, is, is not just like in superpowers, but power can be seen in our gifts, in our talents. Power can be seen in our intellect, in our, in our relationship, in the resources that we have. These are powers. These are, these are things that we have that, are, that we can use to do things in our lives. But he has given this world. He has given people the freedom to do it. But God models what to do with that power. Even in creation, we see this. How does he model? How does an all-powerful God use his power? He uses it to create. He created the world and then to empower. He tells the human beings, now you go and you multiply and you be fruitful. We see God, what does he do with his power? He serves and he restores. We see that in Jesus. Jesus came and he said, I, I came to serve, not to be served. I came to serve and to restore things that were lost as a result of sin and to, and to bring it back to what it was. We see God using power to strength, to strengthen and to uplift. We see God using power, showing us how power needs to be used and modeling it in creation and even in Jesus's life on earth. And he gives human beings now power. But how, do, how have we used power? It's a question that I'd like, to, I'd like us to ask ourselves. Because every one of you are powerful in some measure of or sort. You have talents, you have gifts, you have relationships that you're part of, you have, you have strength, you have resources. There are things that you have that give you power to do certain things. You have positions, you have leadership, you have you know, things that, uh, you know, responsibilities, things that you have, you have been given to do certain things. And how do we use this power? Throughout history, it's it's been a, a sad reality that people who are stronger, physically stronger, seem to have more power and seem to dominate and subjugate. But there is a sense in which there is a longing inside of each one of us for that power to be used in the way God has used and God has modeled it. Is it any wonder that our generation loves superheroes, isn't it? Both both. On TV, as well as in real life, we love superheroes. What people do when they have power is tantamount to character and what is called as the power of the human spirit. We love that. We love, we love those stories, isn't it? We love stories of sacrifice, of selfless service, of undeserved giving of forgiveness, grace, and second chances. They all tend to tug at our hearts and they are the stories that we want to amplify, we want to share and pass on. And we do that in the hopes that this will be emulated in our own lives. Why? Because there is something to be said about 
the power given to a person and that power can be used for good or for bad. And when that person chooses to use it for something good, it is something that we want to amplify. We want to see multiplied in the world that we live in. Why is that? Why is that? And why do we call that the power of the human spirit? Why? Because that spirit, the, the human spirit that we call it, is, a, is actually a mere reflection of God's spirit, who himself is in this way. In the creation story, we see that power is given. But because of sin in the fall, we see that power is abused. But in Jesus and what he did on the cross, we see power again modeled and then God trying to restore those right models of power. You see, it's important for us to understand of the story. So often, we, we tend to have... Um, just one second. We tend to have a limited view of what the story is about. For example, oftentimes our... Um, yeah, can you see the screen? Yeah. Are you seeing this? The fall and redemption? Are you seeing that? Yeah. So oftentimes we have a limited view of what the story is about. We, we start with, you know, we're all fallen, that we've all sinned, then we've all fallen short of, of God's glory. And we say, okay, God wants to save us, and, and God, God has, you know, and Jesus has given his life for us. And, and, so, and so these two verses, for example, you know, they all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and the other part, and, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, and he is the one who has redeemed us. He is the one who has made us righteous. Oftentimes, our story of what God is doing is restricted to these two stages, that we have fallen, that God is called, you know, God has redeemed us and, it's, and we have to be saved. And, and for, for many people in the faith, being saved, that I, I just need to be saved. Um, and now that you're saved, what do we do? We just sort of go on autoplay, right? Uh, you know, attend church, maybe hear a message or two, and maybe do some good works. And that's, that's about it, isn't it? Uh, see, if we have this kind of a thinking of what God is doing in the world, if we, if we are limited to these two parts of the story, then it's very easy for us to slip into a religious kind of a thinking where the only goal is for us to somehow reach heaven and maybe take others with us. Uh, and, 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 the, and, and what's missing here is a bigger story of, of, um, of why. Why did we fall? What did we fall from? That's missing in the story, isn't it? And what, and we are redeemed, but what are we redeemed to? Where are we going? That's also missing in the story. And this, this kind of a pattern tends to show up very often in how we think, even in our you know, religious circles, right? Sometimes we are, we are overly con concerned with our fallenness. We know that we, we, we are sinful. And so what tends to happen is, you know, people tend to, really punish themselves. It's in, you know, there are people who cut themselves, pierce themselves, do things physically to somehow find that redemption because they know that there is something wrong you know, in, this, in, this, in this body of ours. Or, this, or this, this, this incomplete view of where God is taking us, where the only idea is, okay, now that you're saved, now somehow get to heaven. And that becomes the idea. Somehow just get to heaven, right? It doesn't matter anything else. Just forget everybody else. Stay away from the world. But somehow you just get to heaven. What do we do in heaven? We're going to worship God forever. Did you hear that when you were young? What are you going to do in heaven? We're going to worship God forever. And then you think about worship God forever. My goodness, like some of us, like one hour service, we don't know what we're going to do. But what are we going to do for eternity when we worship God forever? Right. And, and it becomes something that we, we tend to think about, isn't it? And, and this this. This story then is, is just an incomplete part of the story. What, so what is God doing in the world? And so I just want to kind of bring to light the largest part of the story of what God is doing. Well, the story begins with creation, isn't it? Creation is where God sets the pattern, where he sets the stage, 
where there is what we call as the ought. In Genesis 1 verse 31 says God made everything and he made everything good. So whether it's creation, whether it's human beings, whether it's stewardship, whether it's leadership, whether it's um, how power is used to, to um, uplift and to restore. In creation, everything was good. But then we fell short of that goodness. We fell short of that glory like we see in Romans chapter 3. We fell short of it in the fall. Because of our rebellion, we pushed, it up, we pushed God away and we fell short of it. And that's the fall here. Right? And then Jesus comes into the picture to restore that which was lost as a result of that fall. To redeem. That word redeem means to buy back. And, and so all of that which was lost, our purpose, our, our love, our our acceptance, our significance, our sense of purpose and value, all of those things he came to restore through what he did on the cross. And then we're waiting for the day, finally, when he will complete that restoration. That's when First Peter 5 verse 10, he says, after you've suffered a little, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, comfort, strengthen, and establish you. And so we're waiting for that day. And so even though Jesus has come and, on, and he has died on the cross, he's risen again, his church is here in the world, but we know that we live in a world where sin is present and we are sort of waiting for the day when he will come and complete what he started when he died and he rose again, right? And this is, again, a great part of the story. This is, again, like, you know, the larger part of the story. Uh, but there is, in between all of this, there is an ongoing story of what God is doing in our own lives as individuals and what God is calling us to do as individuals through our own lives. During this in-between period, when Jesus has died and he's risen again, the church is here in this world, and, and there are things that's happening. There's a world around us. There are people suffering. There are people whose lives are broken. Our lives are broken. We see families around us. In this kind of a world, how do we live? What is God taking us to? What, is, what kind of a church is God expecting us to be, right? Are we supposed to be a church that is huddled in a corner, somehow trying to protect itself from everything in the world and trying to be safe and somehow get to the place where we die and then we are finally in heaven? Are we supposed to be that kind of a church? Or are we supposed to be a church who is partnering with what God is continuing to do in the world even today? And I want to propose here today that we are called to be that kind of a church who, who is continually partnering with what God is doing in the world today. What is God doing in the world today? Well, God's story in the world is ongoing, right? It's a story that, that, that consists of multiple stories. And each of our individual stories is part of this grand story, right? And what God is doing inside of us, what God is doing within us is part of this grand story, right? It's like, it's like how, um, you know, some of these big structures are made, like some of these big cathedrals that we see or, or you know, even, even the, uh, when you read in the Bible of how the temple was made. As, you know, many times in these, these temples, um, or, or another great example is how some of, in, back home, uh, when I was in, in Bahrain, how these roads will be constructed, you know, and, and, in a matter of two or three weeks, we will see suddenly a new bridge or a new highway just come up. And it happens so fast that we don't realize, like, how does it happen? And so I worked for a company uh, in which they used to do uh, uh, precast cement, where uh, we had engineers who were part of, uh, you know, who were building these um, major flyovers. And every part of that flyover would be calculated. Every dimension of those pillars that were holding the flyovers would be calculated, the height, the depth, the, the, the distance between, all of these things would be calculated. And off-site in our company, these things would be made down to the very last millimeter they would have to be made. And finally, when the thing is actually being constructed, all they do is they take these, uh, these precast slabs, they call them, they take them and they take them and they place them on the, on the road and they, and they do the finishing work. And suddenly we see these structures being erected. Right, and and we don't realize how that how that suddenly happens, and that is a very small example of how God is working in our individual lives. 
just as one of, just as each of those individual pillars had to be worked on, each millimeter was important. Each, um, you know, the mixture that goes into each pillar was important to the overall grand story of this highway coming up. God is doing something inside of each one of our lives, which will one day be added up into this grand story that God is trying to restore in this world. And, and almost overnight, we're going to see things change when Jesus comes back. Why? Because he's coming back for a church that is prepared and ready. He is, he is readying his church. He's working on us. Right? And so each of, our church, each of our journeys is important as we journey with Jesus. And as through our lives, Jesus begins to work in and through us into the, in the world around us. We know that Jesus, when he, when, he, uh, when he was on earth, he didn't restrict himself to just the religious circles and say, okay, let's just huddle here in a corner. He didn't take his disciples and start another church building or build another project. He didn't do that, right? He took his disciples and they went out into regular places, went out where the people were. They had regular conversations. They were, they were, they were ministering to people and being there for their everyday needs. That's how they were being. And that's Jesus demonstrating what life is like as we live out in the world today, right? And that's, as we live out you know, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, as we go out, each one of us has an opportunity to go out into the world, right? We're working in different arenas, isn't it? Some of us are in office buildings. Some of us are in classrooms. Some of us are in hospitals. Some of us are, are, are in the slums, right? We, we are working in different areas. But what is God calling us to do? We're not, he's not just calling us to look at those different things that we're doing just as jobs that we have to somehow accomplish from nine to five and, and then get a paycheck at the end of the month. But he's calling us to use those different things that, that he has given us, those opportunities that he's given us, that power that he's given us to use it to, uh, to you know, be part of that story that he is accomplishing in the world today, right? So there is an in-between phase that we should not forget of what God is doing right now. And that phase is renewal, is what God is doing right now. Just like in Revelation 21, Jesus said, I am making all things new. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he says that he is, that we are being renewed, that we are, we are being transformed into his likeness from glory to glory. This is a process that God is continuing to work inside of each one of us, renewal. And so there are different areas of our lives that require renewal. Today, we're talking about power, how power needs to be renewed as a result, how our use of power needs to be renewed as a result of God's work in our lives. And so understanding how this story is unfolding today is pivotal to understand, you know, to understand how is God's spirit working inside of me and how, what is God doing in the world that we live in? And that's where I feel like the Bible has so much relevance and God has so much relevance in the world today because he's not just trying to make us good individuals. He's not just trying to make us responsible people. He's not just trying to make us pure in our heart and mind. And all those things are important, but he is renewing us from the inside out, our heart, our body, our mind, all of these things together. And, he's, and he is also enabling us to be vessels through which that renewal is spread out into the world. And so in the passage that we read in the beginning, what Sarah read about how the, you know, how Jesus tells his disciples, listen, the Gentiles use power in this way. They use power to dominate, to, to throw their weight around, but not, but, but you are not to be like that. Why? Because look at me, I didn't come. This is what Jesus says. Look at me. I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. And so that's how you need to be. The one who is the least among you is the greatest. The one who is willing to serve, the one who is willing to give himself to come alongside and say, what can I do? How can I use my power to uplift you? The one who says that is the one who is the greatest, Jesus says, because that's what Jesus does. That's how God is, isn't it? And so when, when we look at the larger biblical story, it has massive implications for our life today. In fact, even Paul speaking to uh, Timothy and second Timothy says, listen, whatever you've learned, whatever you've become convinced of, because you, uh, you know, because of those whom you have learned it, he says, continue to read the scriptures because they will make you wise for salvation, right? He says, you know this, you've seen this from, from a young age, right? 
that the Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And we know that salvation is not just a one-time event. It's not just the one prayer that we pray saying, Jesus, come into my life and now we're saved. Um, that's, that's, that's not all that salvation is. Salvation is an ongoing event in each one of our lives as God continues to redeem aspects of our lives that are lost because of sin, right? And, and Paul tells Timothy that. In fact, Paul continues to tell him, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. That's what God is doing. He is, he is teaching us. He is rebuking. He's correcting. He's training us in righteousness. He is making us what we are meant to be. Through the cross of Jesus, we, we who were lost in sin, we who fell short of, of God's glory are now reconciled to him. We are now in relationship with him. And now through us, God is calling us to get the world to reconcile to him. And so this, is, this involves the people who are in the world. This involves the systems that are there in the world, the systems of injustice, poverty, suffering, the systems that, are, that, that, that have to do with uh, uh, putting down the people who are weak and powerless. We are called to be part of that, that, that new system, the kingdom system of reconciling the world to God. We are invited, in fact, to be part of God's story of what he is doing in the world today. I'd like us to think about that through this week. And if you have questions, if you, if you have things that you're thinking about, that you would that that you want to talk about, you know, I'd love to talk, you know, and, and put some more thought into it because, because we need to have a grander view of what this journey with Jesus is all about, right? We need to have a grander view of that. We want to walk close to Jesus, and and, and but he is also doing something in our lives right now. And that's an important part of the journey that we need to remember, right? I'd like us to just take a few moments and I, I, I'm, I'm just going to divide us into two groups. And um, I'd like us to just take a moment and uh, think about uh, this and how it applies to our lives. And so just take a moment and think about the power that you have. Think about the gifts and the talents and the positions and the leadership that you and I have, right? We have that. And so, and try to chalk up how this, this use of power is fitting into the story. So as a group, just talk about how does it fit in with creation? Like, what do we see in creation of how power is used? What do we see in the fall of how power has been turned and twisted and perverted? What do we see in redemption of how power is modeled and what he came to do about it? and in renewal of what God is trying to do and change by his power right now in each one of us. And then ultimately in the final restoration, uh, how God will complete this in the end, right? You guys ready for that? All right. Uh, so you'll be in breakout rooms, just in two groups and uh, go ahead and let's just have a conversation about it. Hello. Can't hear you, Janet. Can't hear you, Janet. Uh, Janet, you're on yeah. Oh, so you all didn't hear me? How is this way? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, we can. No, we can. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. 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 Yeah. India, why don't you lead us in the oh, discussion? I, I was going to say, Janet, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's a great question. So, Sarah, listen, Sneha, you can keep the videos on. So that is meant to be a conversation. Yay! <laughs> listen, can we see your bits of face? You can see Sanam, Sanam on the video. Nice! You don't want to see Sanam. <laughs> Okay. Let's do it. Go ahead, Jared. No, 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 no. You go ahead. So, okay. So, how do we do this? We're going to go through. Uh, each one will share about how our how we see our uh, influences it through all those um, through the creation. Could you guys uh, rephrase what he's what he wanted us to do, like um, through, the, through our gifts and talents? How do we see uh, it through the creation, fall, redemption, restoration? Is that what he intended? Yeah. Is actually I think yeah. Oh, okay. Many points. So okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, for me, uh, the my kid of this, my primary, uh, my primary gift. I feel I see it as uh, my calling as uh, a mom and uh, a wife, and also, yeah, how I interact with others through counseling. And uh, but one second, huh? one second. Let me just get Caleb out of the room first. So um, how I know that it it can be abused is when I use my authority to control rather than restore or show humility. But uh, yeah, that's how I see it. But yeah, I am not sure if I'm doing it the right way. But uh, yeah, even in uh, with regard to counseling, I know that I can use that use that power to dominate and tell them what they need to do. And if it's not done my way, I know that I, um, you know, I can cut off all that, but rather uh, using that to walk alongside people. Yeah. yeah. I wish there were more pointed questions to think about it, but yeah, I, I feel like, I, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, for me, it would be like we live in a world which is already fallen, like Jerry was talking about. So, um, it's already fallen. And uh, to listen to you, I need to put my phone next to my ears. Uh, so, you want to? Sure, 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 sure. No problem. So, uh, related to what I do, what we do, I uh, it is more like we see. Uh, you know, the people struggling, specifically if we talk about the work that we're doing, uh, we see um, girls struggling, children struggling. Uh, they are in poverty, poverty not just in terms of, you know, um, finance, but also they lack so much. They lack, um, uh, you know, they, they lack support that they should get from their family emotional support and you know uh, they have the capa capacity to grow they have the capacity to learn you know be somebody in life really good in life but then they aren't given any opportunity so what we do is we try to bring out all of those we help them bring out all of those that is hidden inside help them bring all of those talents out and use it, um, you know, so that their lives become better. And uh, we try to empower them in that fashion. So uh, I believe that as we do this, while we are trying to do this uh, for the society, for the community, 
at the same time, what we uh, feel is God is working inside of us as well. He has been teaching us more and more how to be more like him, not just to do something, um, you know, some ministry uh, uh, to uh, get any glory or anything, but this is more like an outflow of love that God has already filled inside of us. We give that love out to these people so that we in turn are changed. So in return, uh, God keeps working inside of us. I guess we're going on the right direction. I don't know. Is that what he said? I guess so. Yeah, so God works inside of us too. As we work, as we help them out, um, we see a lot of change happening within us too. So we see that happening. And I think um, it helps us get closer and closer to God. And the change keeps happening inside. The transformation keeps happening inside, even within ourselves. And it never stops. We cannot say that we've attained it, we've done it, it's done. It's not over. Till the time we meet Jesus again, um, I think this will continue. Yeah, we'll be sanctified on Monday. We might be glorified with him. Yeah. 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 Actually, I mean, there are multiple things. And I mean, I don't know if this would uh, really answer the questions or the points that Mia has laid out. Uh, but I think the larger purpose that I see... Uh, and I believe that, you know, this is what uh, God, like the larger purpose for my life that God has uh, entailed is is around just working with, um, uh, you know, um, vulnerable communities and, and helping uh, developing solutions or mainly focusing on public health to improve public health outcomes to like basically are working with them. And, and, and I think it, it, it can be very easy for uh, me or people like me, like similar professionals or practitioners or design researchers to, you know, go into the community. Um, and the, these communities are, and I think um, both Nitin Bhaiya and Bindyadi, you would be able to relate to it because, you know, you're working with really, um, uh, you know, middle income start of the society and then it's very easy for them to you know for, for someone who is essentially um coming in and, and can just sort of tell them that okay no this is what you need to do and what you're doing is wrong and it is very easy for them to also take it because they see themselves as really poor and really like okay we don't know but i think where um, so yeah, for, for me, it can be very easy to, to do that and sort of, um, emphasize my power on them that way through my professional work. Uh, but, um, I think what we really try to do is that we, we kind of help them realize that, see, you can also, we are essentially, you know, designing something for you. So you have to tell us what is it that you want and you have that power to, 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 to become a part of this process. Um, so, I mean, it can be very easy to abuse that power, I guess. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if, if it even makes sense <laughs> and it's too less of a time to explain, uh, but I think that was something that really uh, I thought of when Bhaiya was talking about um, uh, humans trying to abuse from you know, so, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Sarah. So, now, lesson, do we have time? I don't think we have time. Oh, really? We yeah. have enough time for you this week. <laughs> I was just gobbling up my breakfast, sorry. Um, yeah, so the thing is, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, in a way, it's good what you all shared. And um, I think um, even for me, in, in, lot, in a lot of ways I've seen, I think even, uh, even Sarah, you're kind of involved with a uh, couple of the social work and all that right yeah so in a way yeah when it comes to like in that especially when you're in this when you're exposed to the social 
work thing it just makes a big difference of understanding the gospel and uh you know um yeah like especially when you see people struggling uh, at different points um, in different ways and um, for me also yeah i've really experienced that um, yeah, especially during even i mean every time like it just keeps repeating now with afghanistan before it was something else but like couple of months back israel was uh, uh, i mean like there was bomb blast in israel and all that so yeah i mean um, it's just the fallen broken people um i mean like using our power and our leadership to either you can you can either build them up like you know and when you come in contact with people who have gone through uh, uh broken brokenness and um, yeah so yeah that that really i mean always uh, continuously i mean uh, keeps coming back to me and um, i mean for people who know me you know that uh, i'm good at breaking people also <laughs> just kidding <laughs> and then <laughs> i mean like if, if you're sensitive yeah <laughs> just kidding <laughs> and then i i know that i'm I mean, communicating with people like i can either build people or break people and uh, but then yeah i think it it's 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 the whole process of learning how uh, jesus is and how uh, uh, you know how the bible just teaches you about uh, you know it's building up the fallen people right so yeah so that basically talks to me always yeah and how to use my communication and how my thing uh, when i come in contact with people who have gone through brokenness and uh, yeah are you all are staring at me i'm i'm finished Sneha said same to same with Janet and same to same with Dindya and everybody. So, <laughs> so whatever you guys. Okay. Yeah. We leave the room. It was then, great huh? listening. Okay. Yeah, it was great listening from you all. Thank you yeah, for sharing your life. Thank you. See you. So you have to go back to the main group. Yep. All right. Uh, that was a great discussion. I'm sorry if I had to cut short some of us who are talking. Uh, but any anything you'd like to share? Any specific insight which? that you'd like to share with all of us yeah so we were on the last point of how god is going to use all this to you know in the end like how is he going to restore and we see uh that in the end you know when jesus finally comes back we're going to see the right use of power we're going to see power being used to advance others around us we're going to see power being used to serve and to uplift in the most perfect way possible when jesus comes back um and i'm excited for that that time when jesus comes and finally fulfills that uh we live in a world where uh, we want to see peace right we want to see justice but somehow that that seems to be uh, just a, a long way off but but we're all on that journey and and understanding the story understanding what god is doing in the world it enables us to then celebrate when we see things around us that are in line with what god wants we can celebrate that right we can celebrate good models of leadership we can celebrate good uses of technology we can celebrate good uses of power we can celebrate that but we can also then uh set up uh good models of what life is meant to look like when god is ruling over that life and that really is what it means to be part of god's kingdom so let's continue to think about this it's an ongoing conversation and thank you guys for uh listening uh shall we pray and close um yeah just like uh, hazel could you lead us in prayer please yeah yeah sure yeah. sure yeah. 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 Yeah.
for your mercy and for your grace, O oh Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that all through the generations you have been faithful. To... Just a second. Dear Lord, uh, you have been faithful to each one of us, O oh Lord Jesus. Through the fall of man, Father God, sin entered into this world, Father God. And that image, that relationship was marked. But in every, throughout all the generation we have seen that you have left no un, stone unturned to try to reconcile man to God. And finally, you send your son for that, Lord Jesus. God the Father, I thank you so much for being so patient, for bearing with us, each one of us, Lord Jesus, for thinking so much about each one of us, Lord Jesus. I pray, Father God, that I give each one of us into your hand. And I pray, Father God, help us to come back to that understanding, Father God, to that knowledge, Father God that Father God, why you created us, Father God, to bring, back, bring us back to that harmony, Lord Jesus, for that uh, use of that power in the right way, Lord Jesus. Dear Lord, I submit each one of us because of our sinful nature. Many times we follow, Lord. Many times we take the wrong path, Lord. But I pray, Father, that you guide us in the right direction. You shake us up, Father God. You shake us from our comfort zone, Father God, so that we may not continue on that same path, Lord, but do what is, re what is right, what is pleasing to you, Lord. Dear Father God, once again, I pray, what you have done, let that not go in vain in our lives, Father. Let us continue to try and strive to, uh, to do and fulfill what you wished for, for us to be, Father God. Dear Lord, we give each one of us into your hand once again. I pray for all the leaders also, Lord Jesus. Give them that understanding, that grace, that wisdom that they need, Lord Jesus, to rule in the right way, that, uh, to rule in a way that will build up people, that will build up nations, that will build up every village, every city, every, every corner of the whole nation, Lord. Lord, and that the whole creation be preserved for your glory and be taken care of, Father God. I pray, Lord Jesus, you bring... I bring all the leaders of this whole world nation, Father God, at your altar, Lord. And I pray that you lead us all, lead all of them in, the, in, in your direction, Lord Jesus. That will be for the glory, for your glory, and for, for, the, for the betterment of this whole creation, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much, Father God. Father, we once again submerge each one of us, Lord, and lead us in your way, Lord. Thank you so much, Father. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey man, thanks Hazel. Thanks everybody. Yeah. yeah. And have a great week ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk soon. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. See you, Auntie Lila. Yeah. God bless.